Hey there, and welcome to the 680 News Podcast. I'm your host, John Mace. On this weekly program, we get to take a closer look at what everyone's talking about in the GTA, offer you an inside look at our operations here in downtown Toronto, all while trying to have a bit of fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a great program lined up for you today. Your commute could look very different within the next few years. Some experts say driverless cars could be prominent within the next 10 years. Emerging technologies could very well lead to zero fatalities on the road. The Insurance Bureau of Canada tells us they have the technology on their radar, but have yet to sit down with the Ministry of Transportation. Two of our traffic experts try to get an idea of what autonomous vehicles might mean for your daily commute. Also coming up, some advice for the modern parent with the deputy editor of Today's Parent, including new sleep guidelines for your kids, getting the teacher you want, and apparently Canadian kids are getting a D- in physical activity. Those stories coming up, but first, our top story. As your local traffic experts, of course, driverless cars are on our radar. The technology has had some bad press recently with the death of a Florida man behind the wheel of a Tesla, which was on autopilot. It's very much in the development phase, but authorities on the topic say the tech will continue to move forward because of the potential to save lives and save us time. In January of this year, the province approved the testing of self-driving cars on our streets, so we need to start talking about what it means for your drive, but also your insurance. For a closer look at what the future might hold, here's our morning traffic team, Eva Fragiscatos and Daryl Dahmer. The year was 1998, and that was the year that Google was incorporated, and I thought, what'd be a great tune for that? So I looked at the Billboard Top 100. Aerosmith had a fabulous song, right in keeping with where we're going with autonomous vehicles. I don't want to miss a thing. Joining us today is Steve Keyes, the Director of Media and Digital Communications with the Insurance Bureau of Canada. And some people might not know, but what is the Insurance Bureau of Canada and what do they do? Well, the Insurance Bureau of Canada is the National Trade Association for for most of the property and casualty insurance companies across the country. So uh, a lot of our focus is on uh, home, auto, and, and business insurance. Great, excellent. So we are talking about driverless vehicles today, and that's our main focus. So for you, what concerns have people brought to your attention about driverless cars? Well, I think it's more the the unknown. I mean, as the technology continues to evolve, uh, these cars have become a, a topic of conversation. And they look to us as what insurance implications that a driverless car uh, might have. And really, there there is a bit of the unknown. We are looking at this file, uh, but this could could actually change the way that uh, people and vehicles are insured in the future. Uh, Steve, have you been approached at all by any government agency, Ministry of Transportation, or anything else like that in Canada to, to uh, give some input to them? No, we've been watching the file, and certainly it's something that that uh, that they know that we're uh, looking into. As you know, the Ontario government launched a pilot program beginning January 1st, which allowed the testing of autonomous vehicles on roads in Ontario. But there was a a whole list of things that they had to do, approvals to to be able to do that. And so from our industry perspective, we're trying to be proactive with our members to say uh, if and when this comes to fruition, that we can have a a product because you know think about this uh, you know at five years ago did you even think there'd be pilot projects for these cars as much as you know i'd love to sit back and kick my feet up and have the car and drive itself i don't know how soon this is going to happen and even if it will happen in my lifetime 
the uh, crash recently of a Tesla car with a tractor trailer really is a, a good example. Tesla, they go along with, and they try to tout uh, some of their driverless features, but they also specify that the driver at all times must be in uh, in control of the vehicle. Well, in this particular case, it looks as though the technology, this is just initial uh, results, uh, technology confused the tractor trailer with a bridge or an overpass and didn't quite uh, manage to uh, assimilate the information. What would happen now, the investigating officer and the insurance companies involved with this, and the tractor trailer and the Tesla insurance? Well, you know, in that case, uh, I think this was in Ohio or something. First of all, it's a tragic situation. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone sets out to, to think something like this will happen. I'm sure that given the state laws, they would have had them insured uh, for a certain level, and, and there would be liability that, w- that would go into that. But it really exposes more of the issue about uh, you know man versus machine, and someone driving or in control of a vehicle would be able to tell the difference between uh, something that may be a reflective light uh, versus uh, versus a truck. You want you want a situation. I mean, emerging technologies could very well lead to zero fatalities on the road. And I think that's the goal of everyone, is to make our roads safer. Uh, and I'm not sure that, that, uh, that that's what testing is for. You want to make sure you can get through all of these, these, these missteps along the way. Steve, do you see autonomous vehicles becoming a reality in our climate? Ooh, that's, a, that's a really good question, because you know the vehicle is going to adjust to road and traffic conditions and sensors like that. But I think we all know how quickly road conditions can change, especially uh, in our climate. I mean, we, we, we warn people about black ice. We, we see pools of water on the road. You know, would an autonomous vehicle be able to sense something through tires and change of, of that and then be able to adjust a braking situation, which at times can vary depending on the condition? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, there are smarter minds than mine trying to make this work. And I would like to think that, that this can be overcome someday, but I just don't think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's where they're at right now. I mean, it's one thing in California, you've got perfect roads, you can do all this type of thing. It's another thing to be dealing with this north of Barrie on a Friday in January. Oh, we're going to put a scenario in front of you. You're in Toronto, and you're driving your car, and you either run into an autonomous vehicle or an autonomous vehicle runs into you, and Toronto police won't respond to a collision that's under $2,000 and now where no one's hurt. What do you, as a motorist, do? Well, you know, a person driving the, the autonomous vehicle would have, I would gather, the same responsibilities as those in control of the vehicle and need to report uh, their collision uh, to, to their insurance company. And again, fault determination rules would come in there. If I drive into the back of an autonomous vehicle, I am at fault. If for some reason this vehicle drives into me, the, the, the rules in Ontario would be, it's at fault. So I think you know, there's a bunch of scenarios, and we're probably putting a bit of the cart before the horse because, you know, it's great to have these scenarios. 
it's going to be very interesting to see the cause of that. And uh, we also have courts to look at these types of things. So I think the future is is kind of cloudy. I can uh, just see the scenario. Uh, Yes, uh, you walk up to the vehicle that's been involved in this. There's nobody inside. It's an autonomous vehicle. Sir, would you mind reporting to the uh, CRC, and I'll meet you there, the Collision Reporting Center? Well, I think, too, that that, that even if you go through the Ontario government, let's let's look at the pilot program and, and through the testing purposes. This is a long window for them. I think it's a 10-year window. And I'm under the understanding that everything needs to be approved, and there needs to be a, a someone in the mm-hmm. vehicle itself. So I, I, I don't see a time and place in the immediate future where any of these vehicles would be, would be there without a human being that is responsible for the vehicle. Now, that could change in the future. I, I, I don't know, but I would say right now, let's just you know, make sure that there's a human being that is in there, much like the situation with the Tesla. There was a, a person in that vehicle, unfortunately. And that was also, um, it was on autopilot, and apparently that technology is different from being a driverless vehicle altogether. So there are there were some differences between that vehicle and what they're working on with the driverless vehicle. So Eva, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. There will be various stages of where this will go. And, and at what point, you know, think of our cars today. There are cars that help park themselves. Mm-hmm. There are cars that tell us when we're outside of our, our lane. There are cars that, that, that do all sorts of other assistance. So in terms of technology assisting vehicles and making things safer, you know, the, the auto industry is underway doing these types of things. It's that switch you turn between you being in control of the vehicle and the machine being in control of the vehicle. Some people would embrace that future. I still like to drive. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I wouldn't put my hands, my life in... um someone else's hands. So. Well, I mean, but, but but even when you're on a plane or something like that, I mean, and, and I'm sure Daryl will be able to say that there, it's a different process, but there are computers that, that click over for for you know planes when they fly, and uh, the, but the pilot is still, I think, in control of the whole process that's going on there. There's a, a huge difference, as you sort of touched on there, between autonomous driving and also autonomous flying. It's far more complex on the roads because of close proximities, more vehicles, well, uh, more obstructions and more decisions that have to be made from flying over driving. So I think you touched on something really, really interesting there. The phrase that we're going to come away with our interview with you, Steve, is in the not foreseeable future. Yes. Well, you know, did, did, did we think that there would become a day that we would, you know, have our lives on our phone? Uh, I, things change quickly, and, and, and that's part of the evolution. I just hope that whatever it is, it's an evolution for the better and that we, you know, have lives that are, are fulfilling. Uh, I already spend an hour and a half a day each way commuting to work. You know, I would love to have that made a little easier or uh, <laughs> or, or less stressful. Okay, uh, let's pay Steve off here. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. That was Eva and Daryl speaking with Steve Key with the Insurance Bureau of Canada. Now a recurring feature on our live broadcast, the Today's Parent Report. Here's 680's Ann Lavery. Thank you for joining us again in our studios, Leah. We have Deputy Editor Leah Rumack with Today's Parent. And we're going to talk about our usual three stories. All right. A threesome. (laughs) <laughs> as as this goes on. So we're going to talk first of all, or not first of all, these are the stories we're going to touch on. Are your kids getting enough sleep? The American 
Academy of Sleep Medicine has got new sleep guidelines that may surprise you. I know I'm not getting enough sleep. Then we're going to talk about a timely story about how to get the teacher you want without being pushy. Report cards are out, school's out, so for the most part, your kids know who's going to be teaching them next year. You might be able to change that. And we'll talk about this one first. And it surprised me. Canadian kids getting a D- minus in physical activity. So, Leia, tell us about the latest participation report. So the latest participation report card, it examines kids' overall physical activity, but for the first time, it grades their movement skills, what people in the industry call physical literacy. And that's basically things like sliding, splashing, balancing, swinging, throwing, running, kicking. So it's not so much how much exercise they're getting, but that they're having the basic building blocks of those skills that will encourage them and give them confidence to participate in physical activities later in life. And they didn't do so well. They uh, they got a D plus for physical literacy. So slightly more than D minus for overall physical activity. But uh, so that's another key thing that parents often don't think about. No, and I thought it was great the analogy they used. It's like teaching the kid the alphabet. You don't stop at M. No. You got to continue. And physical literacy, I think for you and I, it was organic because we all went out. We After dinner, we went outside. We played in the parks. These days, kids are grouping around their iPads, they're not getting that physical activity or the physical literacy. Well, they're not getting as much free play, particularly in urban areas. You know, they're not like, when I was a kid, I ran down the street, we played hide and seek, I rode my bikes, my parents just like yelled, where are you at like eight o'clock? I have a five-year-old now and, you know, while he does ride his bike and play hockey on the street and this and that, I wouldn't be like, Oh, yeah, go away for three hours, climb a tree, we'll see you then. Like, parents are more protective now, and, you know, there's a lot more concerns about safety. But sort of what's happening with this lack of free-range play is that kids aren't developing, like, basic stability, motor, and eye-hand and eye-foot coordination skills. Uh, You know, because we're like, no, 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 don't balance on that fence. You'll fall. You'll fall. It's okay. (laughs) Yes. To a certain point. But that's how they learn, and that's how they get more physical activity. Yeah. I was surprised, and we're going to segue into this, a part of this participation report also mentioned that children do not get enough sleep. Having said that... We've got a new study out from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and they have new sleep guidelines that quite surprising. Yeah, the American Academy released uh, their first ever guidelines, actually, for kids' sleep. Um, the Canadian Pediatric Society has its own set, but they don't vary that much, and apparently they're in the process of being revised anyway. But it actually is quite a lot of sleep. But the downsides of not getting enough sleep are, you know, problems associated with attention, behavior and learning problems. It increases the risks of accidents, injuries, hypertension, obesity, diabetes, and depression. So getting enough sleep for everyone, you included, but for your kids while they're developing is particularly important. All right. So I know my 17-year-old seems to be hovering around six, seven hours. I know that's a little low. So break it down in ages. How old and how much? 
So they suggest 12 to 16 hours, and that includes naps for infants 4 to 12 months old. They don't really set a guideline for under 4 months because it's just so varied with newborns. They say 11 to 14 hours, including naps for toddlers 1 to 2, 10 to 13 hours for kids 3 to 5, 9 to 12 hours for kids age 6 to 12, and 8 to 10 hours for teens. So they're not lazy. They really do need that sleep. They do. Yeah. I do agree with that. Now, I don't know how to get him into bed earlier, or maybe he can sleep in a little bit. Take away his devices. Oh, I've tried that. (laughs) Hide them. Lock them up. Oh, World War III. All right. Now, let's talk about the very last one I want to get into. And school is out. And for the most part, we already know who's going to be teaching next year. And it could be good and bad. You know, sometimes you like the teacher, sometimes you don't. You can change that to a degree. Well, it really depends on the school you're in. Like, my son had a great teacher this year, and I was told he was going to be with her next year. And then I saw this Miss Who's It's What's It's at the bottom of his report card. And I, like, emailed his teacher right away. I'm like, what's happening? Are you leaving? Why isn't he with you? How can I fix this? Turned out she was moving to another grade. But, um, you know, it really depends on your principal. Yes. And your... School you policy. Know, yeah. Some yep. principals, like, full stop, do not entertain requests. Some will try to incorporate requests. I mean, but some of the things to think about are that, you know, you as a parent want the teacher that is supposedly best for your kid, the one that the moms talk about on the playground and blah, blah, blah. But what you might find is that another teacher might actually be good too. Like my son's teacher this year was a new teacher. Nobody knew anything about him, uh, about her. And everybody was fighting, fighting, fighting to get into the kindergarten class of the good quote unquote teacher. Guess what? The new teacher ended up being the best one. And we lucked out. So you never know what it's going to actually be like and what that kid's, your kid's interaction with that particular teacher will Will be. be. That could change yeah so keep that in mind but you know some ways to try depending on how rigid your school's principal is to you know try and get your kid moved into a class that you want them in is don't put down the teacher they've been given you know don't be like I don't like so-and-so I hear she sucks you know that principal hired that teacher and you know that teacher you know that principal wants to protect all of her staff and also thinks that all of her staff probably has some good qualities. And they do. But maybe you just want to frame a written letter to the principal saying that maybe a different skill set would be better for your child and not name, I want that teacher, but saying this skill set would suit my child and maybe the principal will connect the dots. Yeah, that's one way to sort of go about it a little bit more subtly. I mean, if you do find yourself in a situation where, you know, your kid had a really bad experience with a certain teacher and they're going to be in that teacher's class again next year, you know, you might have a case for like really asking to be moved. But, you know, teachers, schools, there are a lot of things go into 
what a class is made of. A lot of preparation. Most yeah. people don't realize how much time they put in to design these classrooms. Yeah. It's like you don't want all the strong students in one class and all the weak students in another class. You want a gender balance. You don't want all the behaviorally difficult kids in one class and all the, you know, good little angels in the other class. Like there's a lot of other factors at play other than just your own child. I was able to switch my child. I found out that um, originally we had a female, and then they were supposed to go to a split grade, and there was the choice of a male teacher. And I wrote the school, and because I was a single mother with no male figure in the home, I requested a male teacher. No problems. Yeah, I mean, like, that seems Something reasonable. Is, doesn't it? Yeah. So for that way, but it wasn't so much a skill set as opposed to if you're going to be moving him and we have a choice, this is the reason why I would like the choice because I think it would be better suited for my son. I mean, the worst you can do is try. Don't be rude. Don't be pushy. Be polite about it. You know, because especially if you live in a more affluent area, the principals probably like fielding requests left All and right. Time. But this is a public school system and sometimes you have to take what you get. Yes. All right. That's another wrap. Thank you very much for joining us again. Thanks, Anne. All right. For more advice, check them out online at todaysparent.com. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks a lot to you for listening and to all my contributors and guests for this week. A reminder that we'd like your feedback for future episodes. You can send your comments or story ideas directly to me at John Mace 680 news on Twitter. Or you can reach the listener line at 416-872-6800. Your recorded comments could make it on to future episodes. I'm John Mace, and thanks for listening.